Good morning. We are live here with the Being Community Radio Hour. Um, I'm Carrie. Today we have with us Mr. Rich Rand and Miss Kai Cole. They're going to join us today, and we're going to be discussing. <laughs> we're going to be discussing pattern recognition and different patterns that uh, we become aware of. And then sometimes how we can play with them and what we can do. And sometimes if there's nothing to do and it's just to observe the pattern. Um, so pretty much all of life, we recognize patterns. We start off as a baby, right? And uh, that's just what we do. That's how we get to know our world and that relationship. Um, and we start to develop. Yeah, Kai. Carrie, you and I were talking earlier, and I'd love to bring up one of my favorite quotes Um, when I was in architecture school. I had a wonderful professor. I had many. Mm -hmm. Uh, This one quote stood out to me, and it was, may the rules set you free. Mm -hmm. When you create your own uh, infrastructure, your own structure, Mm -hmm. you architect I guess that's a verb as well, mm-hmm. your life, then you also give yourself permi- permission to follow, to not follow, to bend, to break those rules, and to burn down the house if you really want to, mm-hmm. because you're the architect. Mm-hmm. How, if I may ask mm-hmm. you a question, how have setting rules or patterns that you want to see in your life giving you freedom I don't know how much I've created those patterns I think for a large portion I have been mainly unaware of patterns that are running Um, my my background is in environmental science and I absolutely loved it because it was all about patterns and learning about like physics and mathematics And, and those were things that I I love to learn about those structures and how energy really flowed in those ways. And now coming into a different conscious work and different modalities with that, I there's a form that then I, I visualize or that I imagine. Um, and, and for me, it is like that structure in which energy then can move in that space. Um, and it's sort of like a direct access. And then can also go in between the space right <laughs> but it's it's more about the flow um but i haven't really set up too many patterns i i'm not um so much of an architect myself um i i like to just see the patterns i'm more of an observer and uh learning how to <laughs> to architect different things yeah um but just the awareness of it for me is more of the place where I'm at with patterns and recognizing them. And, uh, you know, I'm sure for a lot of us in, in childhood, it started out, we needed to be aware of some patterns to remain safe. Um, and then sometimes some people are good at it and some people are not. Um, so, yeah, yeah. And what about for you? Are you good at creating structures? I love lists. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. I have a million bajillion notebooks, all with different lists that I never look at. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but at least I them. made them. Yeah. <laughs> Do you create structures, Rich? I am not a list person. Yeah. I'm not. Yeah. No, I'm not. Like, yeah. I, I don't make. I. Uh, I think the most structured I ever got was when I was in graduate school, when I had to start writing longer um, papers. Because before that, I would just sit down on my computer and just start. It's free flow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then when I had to start writing a thesis, I started that way and just free flow. But then I was like, oh, this is going to be, this has got to be like a 60-page thing. So I'm going to have to at least create an outline, make a list of places I want to go points I want to make and so mm-hmm. that was kind of tough because I'm I've never I guess if I if I had a pattern it was the resistance to mm-hmm. patterns mm-hmm. and a lot of structure and, and that kind of thing mm-hmm. um, but I do notice I'm kind of sensitive to uh, 
I guess, patterns, my own personal patterns of things that I fall into rapidly when mm-hmm. something happens and then I find myself reacting very rapidly in a way mm-hmm. that I constantly do. And I, I think in the last few years, I've become more sensitive to that. So mm-hmm. once I, I see myself falling into a particular pattern that I don't really want um, to continue, mm-hmm. it's been easier to change. Okay. And how it's do been you easier, easier so to change that. So you have the awareness and then how do yeah. you how do you go about changing? Uh, it's kind of an inner voice and mm-hmm. inner signal that says, hey, you're about to go down this tunnel mm-hmm. that you've been down before mm-hmm. do you really want to go down it and mm-hmm. it's like no not really it's a, so it's a conversation i have and then it's actually a a body reaction a lot of times mm-hmm. because that's kind of a the first signal is my body is like oh you're about to tense up and i one of my mm-hmm. patterns is the is the subway mm. you know it's it's very easy to fall into that rapid pa- of just acting the way that everybody else acts when they're on the subway so it's like Mm -hmm. everybody's intense everybody's kind of stressed so you've you get into that situation and you just kind of fall into that pattern Mm -hmm. too and uh, that's been a tough one for me but lately I've been I've been more aware of that pattern and kind of breaking it and kind of acting differently yeah, so responding been, differently you've been able to keep more of your personal boundaries and not be so affected yeah by something yeah. It, i mean I, I think we've forgotten like as a society and culture as a whole that we are actually feeling creatures and we mm-hmm. do feel each other and we are affected by each other and our our natural sense is to belong and and when there's a, a space that's being generated that's very strong and prevalent it can it can be difficult not to right get sort of sucked into that space that predominant mm-hmm. well we do mirror mm-hmm. i mean at least i find myself but it, it's inter- it's an interesting topic this idea of mirror neurons and and how we we tend to um kind of automatically mirror the behavior or mm-hmm. or emotions of the other people around us when mm-hmm. we're in a group setting mm-hmm. you know and and often we don't really notice that it's kind mm-hmm. of it's just kind of an instinctual thing right. to fall in to other people's patterns so is it um do you feel like it's something like biologically that we do as a survival mechanism or is it something something else like what that because it, it is that it's so ingrained within us it's just part of our being to recognize patterns well, you mentioned childhood, mm-hmm. and I would say that, that that's where we, we begin mm-hmm. to recognize the idea of survival in our family, like where we fit, mm-hmm. how we fit in, you know, what kind of behaviors are, are, um, can cause different types of reactions. So we, we have that kind of pattern of family life that mm-hmm. we have to, you know, we, it, family life is sort of it is survival i mean we talk about love and relationship and and it is but um i think underneath that is is recognition that i have to survive in this Mm -hmm. with this group of people Mm -hmm. and so i think each family has its own sort of pattern we learn from there how to those patterns that we develop in family life, we kind of take out with us into the outside social right. structures yes. that we also get involved in. So, <laughs> right, yeah. and, and then we can, we we act them out sometimes in the same way with another individual or a group of individuals that don't have the same families. And so it can be, that that's when we do become aware of that pattern that's just playing out. It can be a great opportunity to learn something new or for someone else to learn something new, right? This, it's this becomes this special place um, <laughs> that can be very charged. <laughs> I totally agree. Yeah. And just like you're saying, when you have a one special entity, all you have to do is take a step back, and then you 
are able to see the pattern of a group of special people. Mm -hmm. And uh, also in our survival, the patterns exist in our creation, just as we're saying, again, we're all in each other's likeness. Mm -hmm. So once you take a step back and you look at the family, then you'll see the pattern of uniqueness. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't have to be a pattern of uh, similarity all the time, but the pattern of uniqueness that exists within each person and within that one unit. Mm And then, of course, taking another step back and looking at the universe. Mm-hmm. You know, we have the human pattern. Uh, we have uh, the patterns in our DNA that are exist in the infinite amounts of variables. So we have the pattern of uniqueness. We have mm-hmm. the pattern of chaos. But as long as we have that ability to access our higher selves or access our awareness, which is not necessarily just belongs to us, mm-hmm. Um, then we can access the patterns and the vision of what is going on in the bigger picture, mm-hmm. the macro. Right, being able to, do, to zoom in and out, to be able to shift our focus, because that, that special place when we realize that we're, we're actually, we are connected with everything, right? We really are part of everything, and we're not excluded or isolated or separated. Um, and yet at the same time, we still have this very unique experience that it, it, it seems paradox, seems like a paradox. And uh, being able to shift the focus at different times can be very beneficial, right? There are times when we need to zoom out and look at, at a larger pattern that's playing out that doesn't, isn't necessarily self-involved. And then that other space of, of coming back down when you know that Oh, this is about my shit. Okay. (laughs) I I, I need to do something different. (laughs) It's time for that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So, Rich, you started talking about change in patterns and how you do it for yourself. If you were to take a step back, how have you seen it done for other people that's different than for yourself? How have I seen patterns change for other people and other groups outside of yourself uh i've seen i've seen patterns change in uh people in my in my family um i just went to go visit my both my sisters in nashville they both moved down there and one of my sisters in particular has um changed quite a bit um, in the last few years. I've just seen like a, a confidence in her that wasn't there before. Mm. And um, uh, I don't know. I haven't really talked to her about it, but her kind of patterns, I think there was a certain point in her life a few years ago where something did happen and it was like there was this crisis moment where it was like, mm. I'm either going to keep doing what I've been doing and it's not working or I'm going to go in a different direction. Mm. And then she kind of chose to go in a different direction and re-change, you know, kind of change yeah. up the patterns a bit. And it's been working. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so being able to show up for yourself in a different way, in a new yeah. sort of way, is like one marker that you've changed a pattern. Right. <laughs> in the moon of the budding trees I was gifted new eyes to see all of the shifting shape and ways you can be wake the dreams into realities wake the dreams into realities sunset diamonds trickle down our cheeks the language of no words is how we and we are back. Um, welcome back. So, and we're going to continue discussing patterns and how we receive information. And it, it I, I don't know, I've never had the experience of being a man or a boy that I remember. Um, who knows from lifetimes ago, it's all very possible. But it, it definitely seems to be that, that men and women... Um, get information in different ways and they have different ways of of recognizing or or certain things sort of draw their attention certain patterns 
will draw, will catch someone's eye in a different way. And there definitely seems to be a distinction with men and women and how they pick up. Um, I, I grew up only around girls. I mean, I had friends that were boys, but as far as in our household, just girls. And my son Hanu was the first experience. And I, I, I had never experienced anything like uh, being with a little boy before. And it was so interesting what, what he is interested in. He wants to know about things that are, are moving and mechanics and things that are going. And he's very energetic and like refuses to nap and just like it it's it felt um it felt so different to see like wow there really is this separate place of how what's interesting and intriguing and the certain things that he's attracted to versus he has a a friend that's a girl and i noticed one day in the park like she was so into this little baby and she's like She's younger than him, a little bit younger than him. And Hanu just had, like, no interest. He just, like, looked at the baby and was like, all right, let's go play. (laughs) And she was, like, over there with the baby, like, already that, like, nurturing space of being fascinated by other life was there for her. And and he was just like, let's go down the slide. Let's go have some fun. And it's, I mean, Rich, how do you, because I know for myself that, it is this like multitasking sort of observation place for me where I am, I know what's going on in my surroundings like constantly. And I know when anything is like out of place or something, it just isn't in a specific place. And Aurea can be like completely filtered and like so focused on one thing in particular I think he literally just doesn't see some of the same things that I do um how how is it for you Uh, I would say that I have generally been from a very young age just kind of in in some ways hyper aware of what's going on around Mm -hmm. me Mm -hmm. um and so often that's made it very difficult for me to focus on like one mm-hmm. um, one particular thing and kind of kind of put wall you know kind of like a tunnel mm-hmm. vision um, and I think as as a boy, you know you talk about hanu um, my experience as a boy, I was never really interested in how things work like taking things apart and putting Mm -hmm. them back together i was more interested in what this thing does to me or what it does to other people like i was always interested in other people's reactions to things okay and i was never really interested so much in the things themselves and how they work and how they operate. so i was never interested in models and things like that Mm -hmm. but growing up in texas i was surrounded by boys that liked taking things apart, mm-hmm. putting things back together, building things, mm-hmm. building models and all of this. And I was never really interested in that. I was more interested in watching them do it and the frustrations and the intensity of concentration. Mm-hmm. I was just more of an observer. Yeah. And not much of a uh, a builder in that mm-hmm. sense of like, building things and taking them apart but I was more interested in the psychological stuff of what was going on with people as they were doing things yeah it sounds like you're just like naturally empathic and it is that that space of of feeling and then with the work that you do you you work with you work with other people you've you've been a teacher for a while and and now as well you work with I don't know the proper phrase or term people with uh, d- special they, needs special uh, needs developmental disabilities, disabilities. Okay. Yeah. um yeah i used to be a teacher and i i was kind of good at being able to monitor and observe the entire classroom so i was aware of what was going on over here over there over there over there mm-hmm. and it was kind of like um seeing the flow mm-hmm. and kind of seeing the knowing the energy of the whole room and how this one group of kids is kind of affecting this other group of kids and what they're doing and mm-hmm. i just it was just natural to me. And then 
in this work that I do now working one-on-one, it just, I just, it's just natural for me to be aware of what's going on around. Because sometimes the people I work with, when we talk about patterns, um, they have their own patterns, but they often don't um, understand the patterns that are going, or they're not, they're not necessarily observing the patterns that are going on around them. Mm-hmm. So they don't, um, they, they sometimes interfere out. with the other mm. people's patterns. Ah. And so I have to be aware of that, how mm-hmm. the person I'm with, how we're um, affecting another person or mm-hmm. another group of people. And so, mm-hmm. um, but I'm good at that. And so uh, it's just kind of natural to yeah. me. I just yeah. kind of fall into that yeah. kind of work. So. Okay, you seem like you are very structured and organized. And at the same time, you, you, you're also uh, like a personal trainer, right? So there's there's a lot of there's a lot of patterns that are going on there. Um, what do you what do you do to motivate people or to gain that that juice and sort of kickstart their confidence again? That's a lot of questions. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I like asking questions and I like answering them, which yeah. is a very good example of <laughs> how I like to create the structure mm-hmm. and also create the space within it, mm-hmm. not just for it to be, mm-hmm. but to be in it. Mm-hmm. So there's actually a lot of people experience a duality. I experience uh, almost the trinity. Mm-hmm. of these different types of dynamics that we like to categorize in our lives. I went to school for architecture, as I mentioned, and then I wanted to do my graduate work in metaphysics mm-hmm. so that I could literally create a structure and create the space that's within it mm-hmm. um, and be in it mm-hmm. and bring other people into it. And that's what I do with my life. So I love to build, invite, connect Mm -hmm. and share Mm -hmm. and so what I end up doing in the end is uh, creating all of these things and all of these ways of being and ways to show up that I share with different people Mm -hmm. and then I have a me that I like to share with everybody Mm -hmm. but I've created them for specific purposes or whether you'd call them masculine or feminine, whether you'd call it tough love or nurturing love. Um, You know, I can go from being in a business meeting, you know, and talking about marketing, which I do uh, along with wellness consulting um, and presenting the hard facts, you know, and and presenting a a definite goal and an action plan to get there. All things that are based in objective points. Mm Mm-hmm. And then I can go outside of that and insert a subjective emotion to a very charged conversation and provide inspiration and motivation for Mm -hmm. other people by being my authentic self. Mm -hmm. So I don't negate any of those other ways of being. I don't negate the structure. I don't negate the space. Mm -hmm. But I do continually create them Mm -hmm. and... uh, um, make the changes that I need to and the quality of them in order to achieve what it is that I'd like to do. And I accept that there are many, many purposes in our lives. And so each of those spaces and structures are created for each one of them. Yeah, that, that sounds pretty magical. Um, <laughs> sounds very beneficial. Maybe you'll get some calls later about some coaching sessions. <laughs> I feel like there's a, a lot of us out there um, I know for myself, sometimes the the threads get a little tangled together and there's not such a distinction and they they end up overlapping or merging in some places. And then it gets um, a little wishy washy. I'm not quite sure of the other the other words to use. Yeah, there's not the, the distinction gets lost between certain things and the structure isn't just isn't there it becomes a, a tangled ball of yarn. <laughs> That can roll around. <laughs> it can definitely roll with it, yeah. and that can be okay. Um, yeah, yeah. So, um, and it doesn't have to be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just that we have a tendency mm-hmm. to want to have a container, to want to have a body, to want to have a home. Mm-hmm. And in order to cater to that tendency, why not make it yourself instead of just finding it, you know, mm-hmm. through gravity or through <laughs> momentum? Mm-hmm. You can mm-hmm. put it wherever you want. Right. So it's. Uh, 
harnessing a lot of create creativity and with it and this other sense of directive and navigation that you are actively creating and so this was something that was natural for you or this was something that you you observed in someone else and you were able to apply that pattern man i love your questions thank Mm -hmm. you Uh, in many ways, I feel like I'm just stepping into my humanity. For a very long time, it didn't matter who was around me, how many people were around me. I had this in, intense feeling of loneliness that nurtured my way of being mm-hmm. as uh, unique as I might think it is or as common as it may actually turn out to be. It just happened that way for me, Mm -hmm. that I nurtured myself. I made my structures, my spaces, and I lived in them, whether it was from kindergarten, playing with the blocks, you know, and building a wall so that I can, you know, enclose myself into a safe space, Mm -hmm. Um, creating these safe spaces for me to dream and to imagine and to design when I got to college and to envision my future and start to you know make an action plan to to make it happen so it started with that loneliness that allowed me to be everything for myself mm-hmm. and then now stepping into my humanity i'm very willingly letting other people into my life mm-hmm. and that's a big step absolutely shift and so when how did that shift even come about for you It came about through interaction, finding Mm -hmm. authenticity, finding my voice, but not just finding it, stepping into that person that Mm -hmm. I felt I could be. It was like a period of spiritual puberty. Mm -hmm. And then I finally matured and I said, oh, I am here. Mm -hmm. And then everything started to happen. Okay, And you felt supported with interactions from other individuals, other people. Yeah, especially your community. You made the steps to join. All right, that's beautiful. Thank you. Thanks. So tap me out and tap me into you. Heal my brain and my body too. Balance my chemistry. Hydrate these cells cause the body talks and meditation helps. The body talks and meditation helps. Welcome back. Um, we are discussing patterns, and the pattern itself is right. It's, it's it's such a it's a mental construct. It's something that the mind does to make patterns and create them, um, and to see them. That it's definitely something that the mind works on. And I know for me, changing a pattern, it it sounds really good if I can. Like I try to make a plan in my head or do something else, I become aware of it, but it it actually has to sink in much lower. There is an actual feeling that will come about for me. And I mean, I, I, I suppose most times it's that is the purpose of at least how I can see it, fear or pain. That becomes the space of not recreating the pattern or wanting to avoid a certain pattern. Um, and, and that can be easy when it's something about touching something hot, we learn, right? Um, and, and sometimes it, it, it also seems like some of the emotional things that, uh, that we will go into, um, they, they play out much longer. And it can be, it's, it's, not, it's not so easy to tell. Um, but as as I become more aware of some patterns and it feels like uh, self-responsibility becomes a, a, a big player in this, it, it becomes a lot more subtle, the feeling of it, of, of when, when, Rich, when you were talking about how you feel, you can start feeling the tension in your body. And, right, it's, it's noticing, right, those little bits and then then what is the impetus? What is the choice then? to go to a place that feels good 
and actually being able to direct the energy in the body. Um, and then sometimes, I, I know for myself, I don't know how both of you operate, um, I can be swept away by emotion. And I just get in the tornado, in the, the hurricane, whatever, like something that is so forceful. And it's not so easy um, to be able to shift that pattern in that moment. Um, have either one of you had any experiences with uh, really being able to navigate from a place that felt uncontrollable? Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. uh, I share uh, very generously that I, I go to therapy two mm -hmm. times a week. And uh, it is the most wonderful experience to be able to have help with awareness about your own patterns. Why not ask for help? Mm -hmm. You know, to, to have a look at how you're being so that you have the ability to make a choice about who you want to be and how you want to show up. Mm -hmm. So I'll tell you a very quick story. Mm -hmm. I went through a period of what they call breakthrough anxiety in my life. And that's anxiety that cannot be treated no matter what you do. You know, you're just in a place that nothing nothing is going to help you until you have the breakthrough that you need to. So while I was on this incredibly difficult journey um, of going through the, the anxiety that I was experiencing, I developed a tick. And it was just the weirdest physical manifestation of everything that I was feeling, but it told me that I have to pay attention to my body. Mm. And the tick was it would start with me feeling like there was something on my nose and then I'd relax and then it would feel like my forehead would start itching and then I'd feel like there's something on my ear and then I would feel like my mouth was dry so I'd have to take a drink of water. It, there was actually six things that would go in the same pattern mm -hmm. around and around from my nose to my forehead to my ear. To, it was the most frustrating thing I had ever experienced and I cried because I couldn't stop. And I didn't know how to. And it, it was more than just waiting it out. There was a lot of work that I had to do internally. There was a lot of trial and error that I had to go through to overcome that. There was a lot of trying new things and new ways of thinking and new ways of um, approaching, you know, a healing. Mm -hmm. There was just a lot that I had to do and I had to accept the work. Whatever it was, I was willing to do whatever it took to get through that, and I did. Mm -hmm. But it is definitely proof that these things are interconnected. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not just our minds or just our emotions. We can, uh, of course, see them that way, but they are so ingrained and interlooped and talking to each other in ways that we don't even know until it's put right in front of our face and we can't deny it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I feel like it's been such a space where we haven't acknowledged emotions as being valid or something, and, uh, and especially with older generations, it just wasn't an acceptable form um, to even be able to talk about a lot of times. And a lot of things then get physically manifested in the body. That tick went away, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's work. And so did you, did you find the, the emotional connection with it, too, that then made its physical presence known? Because at that point, right, when it's physical for us, we, we have to acknowledge it. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I did. Mm -hmm. And it was that I was ignoring my emotions. Mm -hmm. And uh, the reason why it was six things, it was the six stages of grief. I hadn't processed a lot of the grief that I was experiencing. Mm -hmm. And so my body told me that I was holding my breath. My body told me that I'm rubbing my eyes because I, I need to wake up. Mm -hmm. I, I was, you know, clearing my throat because I needed to speak my voice. So they were, they were physical notes to myself of what I needed to do to fully be an expression of who I am. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Rich, you have any 
profound experiences like that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I used to, um, I think it was my junior year in high school, I started suffering horribly from uh, what they call cluster headaches, um, which are terrible. Like I mean, excruciating. Uh, yeah, right. excruciating. Yeah. I mean, um, and so I started going to, you know, my, my parents started taking me to the doctor, getting, you know, x-rays, CAT scans, all of that. And they couldn't find anything material. And so, because at first they thought, you know, maybe it's a neurological or mm-hmm. something, a, a tumor or, or something. But, you know, talking of patterns, I mean, this, it would be sort of a cycle of, you know, I, at first I didn't realize what was going on, but then after a while you, you, you observe what's, and it would start, you'd get, I'd get like, uh, three a day for like, a uh, couple of months mm-hmm. and then it would stop and then come back again sometime later, but always follow that same pattern of like three a day. And it was excruciating because I would just spend my whole day waiting for the next one to come, and you could tell when it was coming because it would start a little pressure over my eye, over my eyebrow, and then just increase to the whole left side of my face and head was just burning with pain, mm. and uh, I would just start screaming. And this went all the way through until I got out of the the military, and then just by chance I found an article on the internet uh, linking the treatment of cluster headaches with a particular well I won't it, but a particular thing that you could take to help mm-hmm. and so that's how I kind of got into this path of um, kind of journey work and other mm. technologies and stuff and so I don't get them anymore um, but you know in the last several years I've had skin conditions kind of erupt where I would get these symmetrical things like it would on one part of my neck and then it would also come out on the exact part on the opposite side of my mm-hmm. neck and on different parts of my body um, and then I would participate in some kind of ritual either by myself or with a group of people and then it would immediately go away mm-hmm. and so uh, it's very easy you know the first thing we're taught is when you have a problem like that go see the doctor and and I and that is beneficial, but we get so focused on the material, mm-hmm. like it's a material effect, that we don't realize that a lot of this stuff that's happening may have to do with emotions, mm-hmm. re- repressed emotions, re- repressed memories, repressed feelings mm-hmm. that find some way to erupt. And many times it erupts in a way that um, it's basically trying to tell, like my cluster headaches basically telling me, I want to be heard, whatever it is inside mm-hmm. me that I've pushed down so deep. is like, this is the only way that mm-hmm. I can express myself. And so, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I see those things as sort of a mixed kind of a, a blessing and a, mm-hmm. and a curse in a way. I mean, it's, it's kind of started me down this path that I'm on. But, mm-hmm. you know, I've also realized that now I've learned that there are other ways that I can go about um, taking care of my body mm-hmm. other than popping pills or yeah. going to the doctor, taking shots, doing all this. There are there are other methods that I think are equally helpful. Yeah, I mean, uh, psilocybin mushrooms are just absolutely amazing for this space. They are like such a unique life form. And they're amazing detoxers and the softness and also what they're, they're all about connectivity. Mm-hmm. And I think they, I, I know from my experiences when I've, when I've ingested them and taken them, it is, it's such a place of remembering that it's all connected and in such like a, a soft embracing way. And I feel like it, it's allowed me then to be in that space feel what it feels like with that patterning and then be able to to carry that out and it's less of it's almost like it works with the mind Mm -hmm. to recognize these other patterns of connection and of of softness um that i i think before then i've i've 
just would be in a place of anxiety or stress or worry and and what that does to the body right it, it just it it puts us in in such a this like shock state for so long and it takes a lot of chemical processes to keep that going yeah. that are very depleting um so yeah having some plant allies and plant helpers it's it's amazing well, I think they encourage us to um open up other pathways mm -hmm. because we get stuck on these very uh, a very limited set of pathways that we've tried over and over and over again mm -hmm. and these these plants kind of encourage us to open up new pathways for all this emotional energy to work through mm -hmm. and uh, i've n i've noticed tremendous changes in my body i mean particularly um in the morning, I used to follow a very rigid pattern because I'd always feel really sore and uh, just my body would feel really rigid in the morning when I get up. And I thought, well, that's just a normal state of when you wake up in the morning because mm -hmm. your body's just been lying there. And I realized that, no, actually, now it's like I get up in the morning and my body's like really loose. Mm -hmm. And it's because of mm -hmm. all of the journey that mm -hmm. I've been doing. Yeah. Plants are amazing. I love them. <laughs> they definitely help us um, to be able to get into that space to see other patterns and to make different pathways with it. And what they have to share is incredible. It's really, uh, it can be really life changing. Yeah. Pieces from this game called life. Not every piece has a box that fits just right. All my life been waiting. And we are back with uh, continuing our pattern discussion and uh, how in the mind. So I I only recently came across this gentleman and I am I'm excited to read some more about him uh Jose Silva right oh yeah. I, I mean incredible stuff he, he was doing like in the 50s mm -hmm. and then what it has since developed into and the sort of then young people that have come up that have been able to take his ideas and and just sort of dividing I guess the brain into four different spaces um with beta theta alpha and delta waves and then what sort of things are happening in those spaces and how then the brain, right, will actually generate those spaces based on the activity where where it's sort of focused on. Um, and to me, that's like, that's incredible. And then being able to train the brain to be in a certain space. And there's a lot of stuff where with with meditation, and yoga and people who who have these practices then it, it's a much calmer space of being the observer and and yeah just the the calmness is there and then the other space of then being something that is in the active zone and being creative and I think it's just really incredible that we can that we have access to this type of information of people that have recognized these patterns and that our brains are just that amazing to be able to adapt and we can focus on a specific area of the brain and really then be able to generate a, a different conscious space for ourselves and an actual physical feeling as well. I, I think it's important just to, to be careful and to make a distinction between brain and mind. Mm. I, I just had a conversation yeah. with someone the other night who told me something I never knew before, that back in the 70s when they first kind of came up with the local anesthetic, there was a gentleman, and I forget his name, the doctor who actually mapped the different regions of the brain, and like he was able to like do brain surgery with people being awake, and if he stimulated this part of the brain, they would laugh, and that part of the brain, they would cry, and this and that, but his conclusion after he did all his research was that while he could cause the body to have certain reactions and do things, mm -hmm. 
the one thing he could never do is get somebody to want to laugh or want to cry. Mm -hmm. And it was because of that he said that I cannot find the mind in the brain. Mm -hmm. Right, And this is, you know, an early, early brain researcher. Mm -hmm. So I really think it's important to, to kind of make that distinction. Like, yes, we can train the brain, but it's. It's our mind, which is something that's more ephemeral, something that's mm-hmm. sort of outside of the brain, affecting the brain, yeah. not the brain itself controlling everything. Yeah, yeah, that it is then that sort of u- unique piece of mm-hmm. us that comes into play. Right. And it is, th- I don't know, is that also then where, where ego lives as well or how ego is generated mm. and not that ego has to be a bad thing right ego is right, very good right. for that uniqueness and identity and creativity and right oftentimes we try to identify what place it comes from and we don't really right. we don't really know yeah right i don't yeah. know that they can necessarily find a piece of the brain and say oh this is where the ego lives right. There's well, not. It, it's interesting i mean there i'm thinking off the top of my head you can go and find the research online but there, there have been studies of people who have lost significant portions of their brain, mm-hmm. and it was assumed that they would lose the abilities and functions that they thought were in that part of the brain they lost. And in several instances, they found right. that um, the abilities did not go away. It's, apparently, they were able to use other parts of the brain to mm-hmm. keep doing Right. They would uptake. And, right. and, and, that, so. and that's a very important point, Rich, and that's where this whole study of what they call neuroplasticity exactly, comes yeah, from. Exactly. Yeah. And talk about breaking patterns, right? Mm-hmm. We, we think something is always done one way, and then all of a sudden, because of some trauma, it's got to be done a different way. Mm-hmm. That's like the ultimate breaking of a pattern. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one thing I just wanted to bring up that I don't think we've discussed this hour, which is how we tend to judge ourselves for our patterns. Mm -hmm. You know, we all have a tendency of like, when we recognize certain patterns within ourselves, we get down on ourselves for having that kind of pattern instead of just accepting it Mm -hmm. and saying, okay, and recognizing, okay, this is a pattern I have. Does it serve me or not serve me? You know, and if it doesn't serve me, you know, what do I need to do to kind of change it? Mm -hmm. But I think we tend to get ourselves into a lot of trouble when we actually judge the pattern and say, oh, it's bad that I have this yeah. pattern. No, it's like we right. developed these patterns for a reason and they served us in some way. Right, and, and I think that's then where some of the confusion and becomes because when we're in, in the observer state, right. then there is that sort of separation. But sometimes then when we're in a pattern, until we become aware of it, there's an actual identification right. that the pattern is us or or that that's just us that's just who we are and not even being able Mm -hmm. to make the distinction like oh this is a pattern that's playing out and i can actually make a different choice right that we are not our patterns yeah Yeah. Yeah. i mean i've I've, it's been easier for me to kind of let go of that that judgment because i've been working with um you know i used to if i if i find myself in a situation where i react in a way that i've always reacted and i'm really tired of it and then mm-hmm. after the situation's over i'm still replaying it in my head and it's still messing with my body because we you know i think we're recognizing now that our mind can make our body feel as if it's still in the situation that yeah. it got out of mm-hmm. several hours ago mm-hmm. and i've just i've found it easier to kind of I kind of tell myself, well, I just, I got taken for a ride, but I'm in a new situation now and that's done with. And, mm-hmm. and, and I've found that it's just in, in, in thinking that or saying that I've just, yeah. it's been easier to let go of that. It just kind of goes away mm-hmm. on its own. And Actually, that replaying of the yeah. same incident over and over again is really not happening as much as it, as it um, used to. Yeah. And that in itself kind of changes the pattern because you recognize that you don't have to carry um, every situation into the next situation into the next situation. Mm -hmm. So you're just overloaded with Mm -hmm. all of this stuff, you know, Mm -hmm. that you're just carrying with you. And it's, uh, I think that in itself is what has accounted for this lightness, this physical lightness that I actually feel in my body. Mm -hmm. It's not having to carry all of this, this mental weight Mm -hmm. that, um, been dragging along. Beautiful, Rich. So it sounds like even just having a greater awareness 
helps to kind of dissipate the pattern if that's it sounds like that's what you're saying yeah and i think it's also a willful okay that that environment you're out of that environment you're out of that situation well like i I, you know i'd mentioned in the beginning the subway if i ever had an incident on the subway and particularly with the people that i work with if we find ourselves in a situation on the subway then i'm done working with that person and then i want to go out and get some coffee read a book and then i'll I'll catch myself being like, okay, how could I have changed that situation? How could mm-hmm. I have recognized it better? And I'm like, you know what? No, that's done. Yeah. Um, we'll wait for there's the a learning round. there. Mm-hmm. There is a learning there, but mm-hmm. it's time for this now. Yeah. And it's just, it's it's really freeing to yeah. be able to actually actively do that, make that willful choice to not. Yeah. Well, it sounds like keep going in that. That it sounds labyrinth. like there's a few things going on there for you. That one, you have the ability to tell yourself a different story. There yeah. is that sort of possession of, of creative power that and then it's a story that you believe. And then and then the other one is that it's the ability to get present. For yeah. in to be in the present moment. And and that can be something that is difficult to do because there is that tendency and it feels like it is something of the mind or of the ego to want to have that energy up and to go back and replay to figure out the pattern of something that's going on. It's almost like a, a self-preservation mode for the mind or the ego to feel right or to feel valuable and, and to be able to direct that energy back down and, and get into the present moment that it definitely takes some navigation and, and a certain amount of will, right? And the will is definitely in a, in a lower chakra, right? Well, I'll tell you, the first time I really noticed this was when I went down last summer to my grandmother's wedding in, in San Antonio. And I was I was shocked at one moment because... your grandma, you say your grandmother's wedding. That, that, that's or no, awesome. my, no, my, her <laughs> funeral. What am I saying? Oh, yeah. oh my God. <laughs> A little bit different. It's a Freudian slip. Associating marriage with a funeral. Right. No, but yeah. I, uh, I, I went down there and I recognized there was a, there was a moment um, when everybody around me was very upset. And I, and I was upset too, but I realized, oh my God, I'm actually feeling pretty good. I'm actually happy. Is it possible to be happy and and sad at the same time? I'm like, yeah, why not? My mm-hmm. own personal life is going very well mm-hmm. right now, but this other situation has come up, and I can recognize the sadness of that mm-hmm. of that loss. But I can also recognize that in my own personal life, I'm really doing well, mm-hmm. and I shouldn't have to. And and you can turn it in a situation where it's like, how dare I? I, I, I can't feel good at this moment. Mm-hmm. I should feel bad. Um, it's kind of liberating. Right. It's very liberating. To hold to, both those states. And, and to get to know your, your own boundaries, to know yeah. your boundaries, what it is you're feeling and the pattern, that patterning of you versus feeling the saturation from another individual or a group of individuals it's a big distinction and then being able then to generate your own space Mm -hmm. it it becomes becomes big and you know what what else is looking at patterns about then if it's not so that we are actually feeling better right yeah yeah Yeah. thank you so much for joining all right Mm -hmm. will Lori be back next week he definitely will look forward to it thank you bye